This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. No Canty, no Carlin, but you've got Courtney Cronin and Gabe Neitzel with you on this Thursday afternoon, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. A lot of controversy surrounding the Alabama men's basketball program following the deadly shooting that involved a former player and a friend in Darius Miles, who was kicked off the team immediately after the murder of a 23-year-old mother last month. And then a bombshell came out on Tuesday alleging that Brandon Miller, who was one of the top basketball players in the country, was the one who brought a gun to the site, Darius Miles's site. Darius Miles' gun to the site of a murder investigation, yet he was allowed to play in Alabama's win over South Carolina on Wednesday night. Here is what the game sounded like when Brandon Miller hit the game-winning shot and scored a career-high 41 points. Brandon Miller has it in his hands as he gets the ball into the front court. Miller directing traffic 11, 10, 9. Brandon at 8, still with it at 7, at 6. Brandon at 5, at 4, at 3, at 2 for the win. It is good. Let's get out of here. Point eight to go. 90 uh, Learfield Sports on the call for that 78-76, the final in South Carolina last night. Alabama one of the many uh, talented basketball programs in the country, Gabe, and one of the top co- basketball programs, according to the NCAA, when they released their top 16 seeds last week. But none of that matters when we're talking about the situation at hand and that a player whose name, albeit he has not been charged with anything, but his name is a part of a murder investigation right now, yet he was somehow allowed to play on Wednesday night. Yeah, it, it just kind of seems like until we get more details in, in Alabama is is being staunch in terms of saying, hey, with the information that we have, you know, we're, we're okay with him playing. That was a decision that they made from up top, even taking it out of Nate Oates, their head coach's hands, from the athletic director. They consulted the president of the university, lawyers who work for the university. To me, when you're working through a situation like this, you need to be as transparent as you can. And maybe they can't be transparent with some of these details they talked about that happened on Tuesday, that they're comfortable with him now playing in a game on Wednesday night. But maybe it's just in everybody's best interest to kind of take a deep breath, take a step back, and until you can be transparent, just kind of hit the pause button for Brandon Miller right now. Yeah, there's no transparency. Big shock here in college athletics. No players were made available to the media since that testimony was revealed on Tuesday, and that includes following the win on the road last night. That shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, and what also shouldn't come as a surprise here is that Brandon Miller is one of the top basketball players players in the country he is a a lottery pick next year the fact that he's playing right now speaks volumes to what Alabama believes is the most important thing here winning I'm well aware that he has not been charged with a crime but players have been suspended for far less across college sports basketball football what have you for smoking weed, for missing curfew, for skipping class, for any other number of different things that they have done that don't rise to the level of potentially being an accessory to murder. Yet this is a judgment call that the University of Alabama made to say, hey, because legally 
there, he didn't do anything wrong, or at least that's what we're being told by the Tuscaloosa police and the violent crimes unit, that they can't charge him with anything. That means everything's fine. Let's just put our heads down and go focus on beating South Carolina. There's a judgment call. There's a moral obligation here. Like you suspend players for far less than driving around after midnight on January 15th with a loaded handgun in your car and passing that handgun off to a player, to a teammate, because he said, hey, can you bring me my gun? Like, where's the judgment call in any of this? Like, where are the rules in place that prevent something like this from happening for Nate Oates at the very top of this game with his program? Yeah, when you start talking from a legal sense, yeah, and and it's, I think, just based on the information that we have from a legal sense, nothing happens for Brandon Miller. But what's the one thing that you always hear every head coach, every time they're hired to a program, whether we're talking college football, college basketball, doesn't matter the, 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 doesn't matter the sport. They always talk about being a leader of men, mm-hmm. and these are young boys, and we're trying to, you know, get a culture here that's going to set them up for future success. And maybe legally, there wasn't anything that, you know, Brandon Miller from a strict letter of the law sense that he did wrong. But just, just something doesn't feel right here. And I, like you said, people have been suspended. Players have been suspended for far less. And if coaches actually want us to believe them, which I think we've kind of gotten to the point where we don't, where they talk about being leaders of men and wanting to set people up, and that's what's important here, the culture, not necessarily the winning. If we have a great culture, then the winning follows, and all the other cliches that you want to throw out there. Then you actually have to hold players accountable. You have to hold players accountable in situations like this. And it, it's, it just something doesn't ring right to me about Brandon Miller being able to play last night. But Alabama's in the pursuit of a national championship, and that's clearly what's important to the university and to their head coach. Brandon Miller, let's say he's not a top player in the country. Was he playing last night? If he was the eighth guy on the bench, no. and he happened no. to be in that situation, he's not Absolutely playing. He's probably not. off the team because he's a quote-unquote oh, yeah. distraction. But instead, this is somebody who drops a career-high 41 points and hits the game winner in overtime. Alabama's probably not a top seed in the NCAA tournament without him. They can't afford from a basketball standpoint to pull him off the floor and say, hey, until this thing cools down, you've got to stay away or you've got to be like on suspension. They need him, which at the end of the day is telling you exactly what we already know, that winning comes above all else. And the actions of Nate Oates in this Alabama basketball program reflect that. Yeah, it's – and again – It's to me, it's a tough thing to navigate. But if you just hit the pause button and take a step back and say, "Okay, we're going to suspend him until we can be more transparent and get more information out there. Sure, Alabama is in the pursuit of, you know, they they want to win the conference. They want to win the conference tournament, but I'm sure they want to have success in the NCAA tournament. Like there was a way for them to be able to try to suspend him and still have him come back from the tournament, I'm sure, and, and have everybody off their backs and have this thing be a little bit more clear, just giving it a little bit more time. Again, it just seemed so quick with information that came out on Tuesday, information that Nate Oates didn't have and then tried to say, well, I didn't have the information. That's, that's why I said wrong place, wrong long time and that's why that looked so bad as he said last night but because this thing seems to be happening it, it, it happened 
back in January, and there was some time during the investigation for it to kind of, you know, sort itself out. And now information's coming out a little bit quicker. It it's, would have been super easy to hit the pause button, not have him play last night, have everyone take a deep breath, and just kind of take a look at the big picture of everything going on around you. So why did he play? That's the bottom line here. Here's the conversation that we, you know, are having today. Yesterday it was about Nate Oates and his incom- completely insensitive comments saying it was the wrong place, right time, wrong time. Today it's the decision from Nate Oates about why Brandon Miller was allowed to play on the road in this game at South Carolina. So here's Paul Feinbaum, host of the Paul Feinbaum Show. He was on first take earlier, providing a little bit of clarity into Alabama's decision to play Brandon Miller. I think he should have played last night because that, that decision was made weeks ago. And, and to keep him out last night would be to appeasing the critics out there who, who jumped on this story Tuesday, uh, five and a half to six weeks after the fact. It really doesn't matter whether he played last night. The real issue I have is what's going to happen now. Alabama was number one in the country a week ago. They're number two. They're still the number one seed, according to the NCAA. And this is going to stick to this program today. And, and it is going to get dramatic dramatically worse for them, as we all know, as, as they make their way through the tournament. And if they are in the final four, which they will be predicted to be, then what happens when when Brandon Miller is in these in a locker room at the NCAA tournament and, and has to deal with all of this? Uh, Nate Oates has, has cleaned up what he what he what he didn't do correctly on Tuesday. And I think he was eloquent last night compared to what he was previously. But just to keep him out to, to show that uh, five weeks later, we're now uh, we're now playing to the crowd, I, I don't think would have served any purpose at all. Well, here's the problem with that, because what Paul's getting to, and this drives me nuts, it's basically like equating this to, oh, don't give in to the mob. Like there was a bond hearing. That's why this information came out. Do you want to like, does Alabama have the power to speed up the judicial process of this whole thing? There was a bond hearing on Tuesday. We find out there from either Darius Miles, the other guy involved, the one who actually pulled the trigger, who was not an Alabama student. He was a friend of Darius Miles, the former Alabama basketball player from his hometown in Maryland, who just so happened to be down there. And he's the one charged. They're both charged with capital murder, but he's the one charged with pulling the trigger like we don't find this information out until february 21st because of the bond hearing it's not that like they'd be feeding into the mob so to speak right now this information wasn't available so we thought until tuesday remember what nato said gabe earlier this week when he was you know asked about this and brandon miller being the one who delivered the gun to his teammate, which resulted in a fatal shooting. He said, yeah, we knew about that. Like, he admitted that they had known about this whole thing, and that's why he goes into the wrong place, wrong time quote, which is just completely insensitive. He has apologized for that since, but they knew about that beforehand. They knew about it. They kept it internal, as we like to say. So why back then did they not suspend him and say, hey, like we know that you're the one who delivered the gun to your teammate and the result was a fatal shooting. It would have been a far better look for this team had they suspended him after this whole thing unfolded January 15th instead of now delaying the process because, you know, what happens if they end up suspending him for the next game? Eventually he's going to come back and eventually he's going to hear the same things that he heard in South Carolina with fans chanting, lock him up every time he touched the ball and booing him incessantly every time he touched the ball. Like the dreaded D word distraction throughout college sports and sports in general. You only perpetuate this by not taking action. 
So because Alabama didn't suspend him when they had the information, it's okay that he played last night? I don't understand that, like, whatsoever. They were wrong then, they're wrong now. Just because we know about it now, like, yeah, now there's going to be more pressure because now we know. And, man, you, I can't believe that you would know this information if you're Alabama. Like, how do you not think that this is going to come out? Were they hoping that they would be able to get through the entire season because the judicial process can move slow at times? Were they hoping that none of this information would come out until they knew a bond after the season? That stuff, yeah. is, that stuff is public information. They knew there was a bond hearing coming on so February twenty first. Why did why they just decided to sit on it and wait on it is man that is shocking. That makes to you me. look bad. That makes them look like they were hiding something. Like not yes. going as far to say that they were like covering it up because they admit like mean they talked about this after it happened. Nate Oates said that they were grieving kind of collectively as a team, but. It's withholding more than covering anything up. They were withheld this information, and it's not like they're publicly going to come out and say, hey, calling a press conference, by the way, freshman of the year over here, top five NBA pick, was the one who delivered the handgun to his teammate and made arguably the dumbest judgment call of his life that, and this part shouldn't really matter, but let's think about the NBA guys. Let's think about what's going to happen going through the scouting process. I don't give a crap how talented you are. Every team is going to look at you and say you have the the ability and the moral the judgment ability and the moral compass of a peanut for the way that you handled this whole thing by delivering a gun when a teammate says, "Hey, can you bring me my gun?" What do you think's going to happen? Like all of that aside, the moral implications here that were not taken into account by somebody who is an adult. He's not a child. He's a freshman basketball player who should know better than to do something like this. And now the program all of a sudden wants to like act like a victim and say, oh, like, you know, we're not going to bend to the mob more or less by suspending him. You're setting yourself up for failure by doing that. And basketball comes secondary to all of this. I don't know the rules for like why the SEC hasn't gotten involved and why the NCAA hasn't gotten involved. I know that when we were talking with Mike Rodak from AL.com yesterday on Canyon Carlin, he said that there's, you know, personal conduct policies that the teams have, which, you know, of course, fall under, you know, well, anything that would fall under anything. like, well, if, if it was like a sexual assault, if it was sure. something along those lines, that's what it would fall under. A Apparently, none of that covers this, a judgment call, something that, yeah, you're not charged with a crime, even though it feels like you're an accessory to murder here in name only. But regardless, he made a decision that cost somebody their life. Why, why is he allowed to go and like, have fun and play basketball and do all of the things that he wants to do for his future when somebody who's 23 years old and a mother doesn't get to have one because of his grave decision to bring that gun to the scene of what ended up being a crime? And those personal conduct policies, you made the, the point early, earlier, Courtney, of, I mean, if, if he's the eighth player, ninth player, if he's a walk-on. Yeah, then that personal conduct, that personal conduct penalty, yep, that that comes in. Oh, you've been dismissed because you went against this personal conduct penalty that you said you would follow at the beginning of the season. But because he's the the best player on the team, one of the best players in the country, a potential top five NBA pick, the rules don't apply to him. And, And that's been the standard that has been set, not just by Alabama, but by a lot of different college programs and a lot of different sports across the country. And whether you want to talk about professional, whether you want to talk about college, that's just unfortunately where we've arrived where if you can help this team achieve a lot of success a lot of times those rules aren't going to apply to you and i this is just another example of that happening in college sports 
All right, so how did Nate Oates respond yesterday? Here's what he had to say about how Brandon Miller approached this game and where he scored 41 points, which is a career high. There hasn't been many games he hasn't been locked in, to be honest with you, but you just... You know, basketball kind of becomes a safe haven a little bit for some of these guys. They get on the floor, they can kind of lock into what they've done their whole lives and, you know, put some of the uh, outside stuff that's out of their mind. So I I thought Brandon did a great job really getting himself mentally prepared to play. Okay. Like, I just, I, we might have to go to break before I, like, end up losing it on that to, like, make it sound like, oh, basketball's his escape in this moment. It's the quintessential cliche of they stay locked in, block out the outside noise. Yeah, like, you're lucky you're not in jail right now. You're lucky that they weren't able to charge you with any sort of crime because you delivered a murder weapon to your former teammate because he asked you to do it. Because there was, there was no sort of moral compass that you had in that moment to say, maybe I shouldn't have done the right thing. So locking in, meaning, oh, I'm just going to block out everybody saying, lock me up and booing me and realizing that I made a grave mistake that cost somebody their life. Like, that's just such a cliche, inappropriate comment at that point. And I get what Nate Oates is trying to get out there. But frankly, to talk about being locked in, like, you know, fighting the adversity, fighting all that BS that's around him right now, that's self-perpetuated BS that he caused himself, which could very well cost cost him his draft stock next year in the w, in the NBA draft. And potentially, who knows how this thing's going to play out. He played last night. Is there any guarantee that he plays continuing going forward? I do not know, and hopefully we'll find out about that soon. Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Coming up next, the second half of the NBA season starts tonight. Who's set to make a run in the tight West conference we get into that next here on espn radio tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music included with your prime membership amazon music offers the most ad free top podcasts enjoy shows like first take part of the interruption and the low post available ad free and uninterrupted to start listening download the amazon music app or go to amazon.com slash espn pods that's amazon.com slash espn pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify (laughs) shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. The new look Lakers open up the second half of the season tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern time, hosting the Golden State Warriors. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. Wild Western Conference. Going to be fun to see how this one finishes. Nine teams in the West right now, Gabe, separated by three and a half games. Eleven teams are separated by six games. I don't want to even look and see what those numbers are like in the Eastern Conference because the balance of power has swung all the way over to the Western Conference after the reworking at the trade deadline. And that's where all the storylines are here going into the second half of the season. 
Yeah, it really is. And that West is just absolutely stacked. And, you know, KD obviously going to the Suns and uh, Kyrie Irving going to the Dallas Mavericks just makes that conference, which already was the better conference and the deeper conference, that much more interesting. The the Western Conference playoffs are going to be must-see TV. And I think that even starts with the play-in tournament because whatever the four teams are that end up being in that play-in tournament in the Western Conference, those are going to be fascinating games to pay attention to because I would not be shocked if one of those teams got hot. Like, we've seen this happen a couple of times. I think of uh, UConn a few years ago uh, won the Big East tournament as like an eight seed got their way in and then went and won a national championship. I could see a team like that getting hot in the West and then going and making a run to the NBA Finals because that's how deep that conference is. Yeah, the Lakers right now, one of those teams that could be in play in territory eventually. They've got to get there first. They're 13th in the Western Conference, 27 and 32 as it stands currently ahead of their game against the Warriors. Without Stephen Curry, still remain the nine seed, a perfect 500 record. You mentioned the Suns we got an update from ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst that Kevin Durant not quite ready to return tonight to make his debut with the Phoenix Suns. But as they're preparing and now as we're starting to see him work, you know, to go three on three to five on five, he's taking part in more intense workouts. According to Windhorst, he took part in a two hour and quote intense workout and scrimmage in the team's first official gathering after the all-star break. And the Suns went as far as bringing in refs to make this feel like a game atmosphere and Monty Williams their coach said it was the longest and most intense workout the Suns have had since training camp began last fall so Durant's ruled out for Friday's home game not tonight Friday's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder he is officially listed as day-to-day but expected to make his return during the team's upcoming four-game road trip so it'll be cool that we get to finally see Kevin Durant debut for the Phoenix Suns first time we will have seen him play since early January after he injured his knee while playing with the Brooklyn Nets but As much as that's a storyline and as much as the Suns are very much catching the attention of everyone to see what that new look team looks like, it's those new look Lakers, Gabe, that I'm really curious about to see how LeBron James, because he's played in such limited action with the acquisitions that this team made, including, you know, bringing back D'Angelo Russell after the trade deadline, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley in there as well, like, How does that group actually look going into the second half of the season when they're playing games? Because, as we know, these are must-win games. Here's LeBron James, Lakers forward, on what this stretch in the second half of the season means for his career. It's 23 of the most important games of my career for a regular season. And uh, it's the type of mindset that I I have and um, I hope the guys will have coming back off the break. They better because they've got to start winning some of these games. The stretch is pretty tough. I mean, outside of the Warriors tonight, Mavs coming up on Sunday, Grizzlies on Tuesday. And then there's, you know, a little bit of a a lull there when they've got the Thunder, the Timberwolves, and then back against the Warriors next Sunday, the first Sunday in March. I... I know what we heard there on the rejoin that maybe they could make some noise and that they might be a dangerous team. Their title odds day of the trade deadline didn't change all that much. Am I wrong to think that this is still maybe a play-in tournament team, but a team that's out after like the first real round of the playoffs? Best case scenario, this is a play-in tournament team. Like you mentioned, oh, they've got a lull. Minnesota is 
ahead of them in the standings. Oklahoma City ahead of them in the standings. There are only two teams in the West that currently have a beatable worse record. Teams. There should yes. be beatable teams, they, but with this Lakers team, you can't put anything on a silver platter I, for them I, and say, go ahead and take it. So, yes, the, I mean, when you look at the, the number of games that they're behind, only two games back of having the same record and, and pulling things even with the Oklahoma City Thunder in terms of getting into that play-in tournament. But the problem is, they still have two teams that they have to leapfrog in front of them as well to get to that point. They're playing other teams that are going to be playing for their playoff lives. Playing in the West is tough, and having that Western Conference schedule is tough. I I just don't think that the Lakers can go on a sustained run that's even going to get them into that play-in tournament. You look at that schedule, yes, you have some winnable games in that stretch, but it just seems a lot to ask the new-look Lakers and for everything to gel in those 23 games while you're also trying to chase down multiple teams in front of you. It seems like a big ask. It it does, but at least, granted, this is a small sample size. The one time we saw this group together before the All-Star break, it looked vastly different. Why? Because they finally have shooting more shooting than they Mm -hmm. did before when they ended up moving away from the Pat Bevs and the Russell Westbrooks and sending those contracts elsewhere to get D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Mo Bamba. They finally have somebody who can defend the rim in Jared Vanderbilt. They have more reliable ball handlers, fewer players that can essentially be ignored from 15 feet out. That's all good, but does it mean that they're a team that's about to make a deep playoff run here? I'm not so sure. I'm with you. I think that this is probably a situation where they, best case scenario, get to the play-in tournament and win a game. One other team, though, I want to make sure that you know we, we, we touch on here because we haven't really talked much about the Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic matchup because we have actually seen them play since the trade went through ahead of the deadline. Are they able to keep the spark that we saw in the first couple days where Kyrie Irving became a Dallas Mavericks or pairing Luka Doncic and Kyrie like they went 0 for 2 so far do they actually regress because like Luka was gone for the first one or two games because of the 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 heel injury can they be extraordinary together or do you think that this is actually going to come and and blow up in their face because of all the concerns we had when this trade went down actually coming to fruition I think the Lakers are in a better position to have a vastly improved team, mostly because of what you said with shooting. Like, when you acquire role players, those guys know what their role is, right? Like, okay, I just have to stand in the corner, get to the wing, find these passing lanes so guys that have the ball in their hands, whether it's LeBron, whether it's AD, can find me and I can knock down these shots. That's my role, and now I can play some defense on top of that. When you're pairing two stars together, it usually takes some time to kind of figure out that chemistry, especially... Courtney, when you have two guys that are used to having the ball in their hands as much as Kyrie and Luka. Like, Kyrie has been in some situations with LeBron in Cleveland, with KD, James Harden, where he's been able to, at times, kind of take that backseat role. But out in Brooklyn, like, one of those three guys, it seemingly was constantly hurt so they could figure it out. I mean, Kyrie and, and Luka are so used to having the ball, there has to be some sort of balance. And to me, that can be tricky to figure out, especially with only 20 or so games left. It, it's, it's tough to be able to figure that out right away and be able to hit the ground running and really figure out the chemistry between those two when you have two stars that are ball dominant. Yeah, they might score 100 points together, but this team, their last three games we saw them play, gave up 133, 124, and 118 points. So they're lacking 
on the defensive end, but did we not figure that that was going to happen when you pair these two ball-dominant players together? I think everybody could have said they saw that coming. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The one NFL trade you'd love to see this offseason. We're taking your calls next here on Canyon Carlin ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin and Gabe Neitzel with you on this Thursday afternoon. You can make a difference in the lives of people in areas impacted by the Turkey earthquake, including Turkey and Syria. Your donations enable the Red Cross to respond to and help people recover from this disaster and will provide humanitarian relief such as food, water, hygiene supplies, emergency shelter, and medical care. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729. 3776. We're talking the one NFL trade you'd like to see this offseason. And let's keep it bold, people. Not just Aaron Rodgers to the Las Vegas Raiders or Lamar Jackson to the New York Jets. I want something really spicy here, similar to what we did yesterday with our bold NFL offseason predictions. Gabe, you can start us out here. What trade fits into that category of what I just discussed? So I'm looking out at the AFC where it just seems to be an arms race. You've got quarterbacks, you know, just all over the place trying to make a run to the Super Bowl, trying to make a run at the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and a team that made an AFC championship game a few seasons ago but now it's been eliminated in the divisional round, the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills need more weapons for Josh Allen outside of Stephon Diggs. They were hoping that Gabe Davis could be that guy. Gabe Davis kind of has, you know, some explosive games, certainly. You remember not this past offseason, but the one before when they lost to the Chiefs and he had over 200 yards receiving, four touchdowns. They thought maybe that could translate to the regular season. And this up this past postseason run, it did not. They couldn't score enough points against the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round. I think that Mike Evans could be available. I think that there's a possibility that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are looking to maybe just hit the reset button with Tom Brady now retired. I want to see Mike Evans team up with Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, and go up to Buffalo and help the Bills try to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time in the 90s. I like it. That is a level of spice that I'm looking for here because this Mike Evans trade fodder that's been around ever since the Bucks bowed out of the wild card round is one that needs to be taken seriously. This is a team that's in salary cap hell right now. They've got to get under the cap by, you know, the deadline in a couple weeks, and they've got a lot of different moves knowing that they're going to be taking on all of Tom Brady's hit this year with his retirement. 
they're headed towards a rebuild. So knowing that and knowing how productive Mike Evans has been, you know, thousand yard receiving season after thousand yard receiving season, he's 29 years old in the last year of his contract. You know, I don't think he wants to be part of a rebuild down there because you don't know how long that's going to take. And after having tasted success, for that year that Tom Brady led them to the Super Bowl in 2020 and being such a big part of that, imagine what it would look like if he goes to Buffalo, gets paired up with Stephon Diggs. Instantly you have you know the top duo in the NFL at that point. I don't think anybody's going to argue that because there is such a drop-off with Diggs and then Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, what have you. I really like that, and I think that that would certainly help their title chances next year and being able to get over the hump because – Gabe, what was the biggest issue for them during the postseason? No one showed up except Stephon Diggs. Yeah, they just couldn't get anybody else open for Josh Allen. They lacked explo- uh, just explosive plays. They couldn't keep up and score the points that they needed to score against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was the complete opposite of what happened to them the year before. They tried running it back with the team that they had. Clearly wasn't good enough. Chiefs find ways to get better. Certainly the Cincinnati Bengals are continuing to get better. There are other teams in that conference you're going to have to worry about, and you're going to have to figure out ways to win a shootout. And having those two, like that's going to open up things if you want to get more right you know running backs involved in your passing game if you want to get Dawson Knox involved as your tight end when you have those two if you have the top tandem of wide receivers in the NFL to me that puts the Bills in a really good position in the AFC triple eight say ESPN taking your calls here on Canty and Carlin let's go out to Calvin in San Antonio Calvin give me the one NFL trade you'd like to see this offseason I'd like to see uh, Lamar Jackson get traded to Washington. Okay. How come? I, I think, obviously, we have the uh, uh, A-level uh, offensive coordinator now. We have talent already on the offense. We have talent on the defense. The only thing I think is missing was 1-1-A one one is a, a quarterback of his caliber and maybe one or two pieces on the offensive line. Calvin, thanks for the call. We actually talked about this scenario the other day when we had Mike Tannenbaum on and the idea that there are you know, 10, 12 teams that are in the quarterback market or at least in the market to change their starter at the quarterback position in 2023 and Washington being one of those. If the Jet, if the Baltimore Ravens, Gabe, say we're not trading Lamar Jackson anywhere in the AFC, I can't fault them for looking at Washington and thinking that that's a perfect spot to tag him, trade him, get some draft capital back in return, and, and you know for Lamar Jackson get to work with somebody who just helped Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs win two Super Bowls. Don't really have to move that far either if you're Lamar Jackson. It's a win-win-win all the way around. Everybody's happy. Do, All right. you, do you have a trade that you want to see made? Well, mine actually was going to kind of blow yours up, if you're ready to hear it. All right. And we'll get your calls on the other side of this. Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So yesterday, Stash the Yankee, our producer, alerted me to an Instagram post from Trayvon Diggs, the brother of Stefan Diggs in Buffalo. And it was a photo of Stefan in a Dallas Cowboys uniform. This is not the first time where social media, Instagram, and Photoshop have come into play for Stefan Diggs and potentially leaving his current destination. And it made me think, what do the Dallas Cowboys need more than anything else? 
they need somebody to pair with CeeDee Lamb because once they lost Amari Cooper, it was a hodgepodge of guys this year, and they didn't have consistent play at the receiver spot. They certainly were able to funnel a lot of their offense through Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, but Dak needs more weapons. So I just gave you a great weapon right there by having Stephon Diggs somehow or another get traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Do you hate me for blowing up your idea, though, of pairing him with Mike Evans in Buffalo? No. No, that's fine. Um, I just, you know, I, I I can't imagine what Buffalo would have to get in return because it feels like their window is right now. And not that their window would close completely, but it just kind of takes some retooling to get back to the point where they've been the last few seasons where they've been one of the Super Bowl favorites. They certainly have. And I know that my trade would make them maybe not a Super Bowl favorite, but uh, we shall see. You don't want to lose Stephon Diggs in the process. Straight ahead, Aaron Rodgers emerging from the dark. Will he find the light in the Big Apple? That's next, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.